Welcome to the Road to Zero, a future-proof podcast, as we explore the changing nature of our economy as we look for prosperity and opportunity in not only preserving, but also improving our environment. Today on the Road to Zero, we are talking to Chris Bush, president of Catalyst Agri-Innovation Society. Welcome, Chris. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. So if you could just give us a quick, I noticed you've got your hands in a lot of pies and you've been uh, up to a lot of stuff. If you can give us quickly kind of what it is you're, you're up to in a nutshell and, and how you got there. You came from telecom sales and into the agri-innovation uh, sector. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so 2006, I was searching for an idea, business idea, because I, I, I was having a very successful career in telecom. I was doing mobile asset management and mobile information management, so helping companies to get more from the resources they had. And the July issue, Popular Science Magazine, had a little sidebar story, page 61, on the Audet Farm in Vermont and how they were making electricity from cow manure. And I said, there's something there. I knew that we had a manure management challenge, a threat to, to animal agriculture in the Fraser Valley, and that if there was something good that could happen with it, then we should certainly be looking at it. And that led me to a two-year study. I, I, I did a deep dive on anaerobic digestion. I studied Germany, I studied Denmark, I looked around the world, and then I took all of that information and structured it for what we have in Canada, and we laid a plan out. We submitted that to the British Columbia government for the, the inaugural round of the Innovative Clean Energy Fund, and uh, we got a million and a half dollars from the province. We raised a million dollars private equity from stakeholders, people that were around the agricultural community, all, all people directly involved, and uh, got another $4 million senior debt financing, and we changed the world. Right? And, and our whole plan was built around that, that circular economy. We didn't have this nice language 15 years ago, right? around systems integration and carbon negative food systems. Right. You know, and we've involved, we have evolved as the world has to now our program being called the symbiosis center. Yeah. Right. Where again, it, it's all about that efficiency, bringing everyone together, the circular bioeconomy. Awesome. And now your, your plant is center. You have one, is it, how would you describe it? Is it a demonstration plant? You've got this in Abbotsford? Sure. So, so in 2010, we built the first on-farm biogas plant at all in British Columbia. We were the first in North America to scrub the gas and put it in the, in the grid. And that stands today. That was the first and one of the, it is still, I think, the largest on-farm supplier uh, of renewable natural gas to Fortis, BC. That is in Abbotsford on Sumas Prairie. Uh, recently, though, we moved into the Bakerview Eco Dairy, also in Abbotsford. They built the second on-farm digester in 2011 a very small one to see if it was possible to do it with with what would be a typical Canadian farm, 60 cows, right? Uh, so we moved in there. It had been decommissioned because it doesn't make economic sense at that small scale. But that facility operated as a living lab is a tremendous opportunity for Canada, really for the world, to look at how we can, again, build these circular systems, complete end-to-end. -end. So, yes, we... Eco Dairy in Abbotsford now. 
Yeah. And and from what I understand is it's almost a six step process. It's not just, you know, making gas of the manure. It's more than that. Can you kind of walk us through exactly what's happening there? Sure. So so yeah, it, it's certainly not just about making gas, but today we have an opportunity where renewable natural gas can supply an economic engine for the development of the rest of the technologies that we need to have. It's still not economically viable to harvest, to, to make all of your fertilizer from harvesting nutrients because the old ways, Haber-Bosch created you know, around the Second World War, it's still the prevalent way and it's still really inexpensive to make fertilizer that way because we don't price in the externalities, right? As the world understands, we need to, to do better with our world, with the planet. Right, we have to find better ways, and and um, yeah. So we start with manure as it comes out of the barn from dairy, poultry, and hog farms. We process it, and when we cook it, we distill off that energy which we sell, and then we harvest out the nutrients. Right? We've been operating at Seabreeze Farm in Delta for five years now, where we've been able to harvest ninety-five percent of the phosphorus, where most of the world's alternative comes from Morocco. Mm. Right. We've been able to harvest 50% of the nitrogen for beneficial reuse. And Ag Canada just finished a two-year study there that found because of the technologies that are installed, they have the lowest greenhouse gas emissions per cow of any farm they've ever tested. This is big news for Canada. Wow. Well, that is, especially when the world's looking for carbon, zero carbon or carbon negative sources of material or supply. That's definitely a, a big plus. Yeah, for sure. Oh. Right. Quite, quite, quite notable on that carbon negative, Nick. Uh, if you make renewable natural gas, as you can from a landfill or, or a wastewater treatment plant, it's still carbon positive. If you make it from food waste, it's better. It's carbon negative minus 15 score. If we make it from manure, though, we get a carbon intensity score somewhere between minus 300 and minus 400. So it's 20 times better to do it here than any other option. Wow, really? Yeah, that, that's going to be a big game changer. And then there's there's a fertilizer piece. But if I understand in your model, there's also a, a, a feed crop piece. Because, you know, that's another big issue with industrial agriculture is, is all the intensiveness of actually the feed. So tell us a bit about that piece. Sure. So so we've been looking at a, at a tiny aquatic grass that we can grow in stacks inside of containers. And there's, there's other companies, you know, many people are looking at vertical farming and, and integrated systems. Um, you know, in, our position is the best way to heal the earth is to give it bed rest. If we can find ways to reduce pressure. And we look at companies, you know, an example that's, that's having some success, a company called Callista, they make single cell protein from methane in fermenters. And they say they can replace the annual protein production of 3,000 acres of corn with a one cubic meter reactor and has no, uh, no environmental emissions, no, no negative environmental impact at all, right? That's the kind of thing we have to look for. And, and that's coming from synthetic biology. That's where we see, you know, I, I've seen previous work that, with your program on hydrogen, right? The, the fermentation of hydrogen and CO2 and methane gases to make food that's going to be the massive game changer for the future of food for us. Wow. So, so what I hear is the, the basically impact of meat's about to get a lot smaller with this kind of technology. Correct. But yeah. And, and, you know, uh, underlying our program, we call it the in future program, which is informatics at the nexus of food, energy, water, and health. 
Because when we add that, when we're concerned, and we certainly have the tools, Vancouver's renowned now, we have our digital and AI supercluster. We have incredible technology available to us. Let's measure the things we're doing in proper context so we get the best outcomes because we can solve diabetes, heart disease, and cancer, maybe not completely, but a massive amount by changing what we eat, by adding understanding to people. So, so what I really hear as well is what you've developed hasn't been inside of a vacuum. It sounds like you mm-hmm. really leverage a lot of different networks. And, and tell us what's really been the key to be able to put this system together that you've got. <laughs> so we've, we've always hunted for the best bad examples. <laughs> okay. Right? Because that's where you should work right? We are a four impact company. We're looking for ways that we can make the biggest difference. Um, British Columbia has had a challenge because our land is so expensive. We import about 80% of our feed for our animals and, and it's not economically viable to send the excess nutrients back to the source of our feed. That nutrient cycle is broken here, mm. right? So what we've been able to do is to continue to work with the stakeholders. We really needed the province to bring in stronger manure management regulations, which they, 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 obviously it's difficult to do because there's so many, you know, the straw man argument, do you want the economy of the environment? It's foolishness because with systems you overcome it, but the province was planning and really in our opinion should have put in new manure regulations in 2009 that did not happen until 2019. And that's really been the key to the breakthrough, I would say, that the whole world arrived at the same place at the same time that all proved the story we've been telling for 14 years. Wow, so it's been a long journey. And then just to get an, yeah, and just to get an idea of where you are now, so you've got this facility in Abbotsford, actually you've got two, a big one and a small one. Mm-hmm. Um, and where, where's, and is it, and would you say you fully, uh, created division or you're still kind of creating the whole system? Is it, is it fine? Yeah. So, so you cut out the end there a little bit, I apologize, but I'll, I, I should say, uh, I, I no longer have the big one in Abbotsford 2012. I exited that. Um, I, I say it nicely. It was uh, economically catastrophic for me. I, I left there with a million dollars in education personally. Um, but the vision that we built for that originally said we laid that out with our ICE fund application in 2008. Uh, and it's continued to evolve where we've added more. There's now five uh, centers of excellence that will be co-located. We have a fully built plan. We've identified the land. We've raised $15 million in commitments from industry. Uh, we have a proposal in front of the provincial government for matching funds. And, and there's tremendous support lined up uh, from Ottawa, from industry, that, that we'll see at least $30 million investment drop into agriculture to address these food systems and build from there and then tell me this this new plan is it going to be uh, how how big is it a bigger scale plant or what are you doing exactly are you doing differently than you did from the last project yeah so more components certainly and this one is being built it's an applied research facility we've created a new community contribution corporation so we've dedicated all of the profits from this back into ongoing research and development so we're going to have a non-government organization 
20-year tech development fund that we anticipate having at least $5 million a year to invest in what we call mission-aligned research and development. And we have a three-part mission, right? Power the world, feed the people, heal the planet, right? And, and Symbiosis Center, it's actually going to be five centers of excellence co-located. So the heart of this is this agricultural organics to renewable natural gas. That's the economic engine where we process animal manures, uh, waste bedding, uh, uh, used horse bedding, uh, spent mushroom compost, these, these waste products that aren't actually waste. They're resources that are being used in wasteful ways because mm -hmm. it's less expensive to dispose than reuse when you try to do it in isolation. Right. So so around that agricultural organics to renewable natural gas, we will install a hydrogen innovation hub, hydrogen and and uh, carbon capture utilization co-located because all of the byproducts of work that's done in hydrogen have places to go in this program. Right. We'll also have a center for biomass thermal conversion. So things we hear about like biochar, for example, gasification, pyrolysis, because again, the, the things, the externalities of that individual process has benefits in a unified network. We'll also have a center for innovative food, feed and bioproducts. So vertical farming, land-based fish farming, um, uh, uh, microbial conversions. I talked about like the Clista story, our duckweed, all of that will come into this. And all of this is underpinned by the Center for Bioeconomy Informatics, because we can't manage what we don't measure. And again, if we bring that informatics up into context where we include health, then we'll get the best answers. Then we can have the best data-driven uh, uh, choices being made. Wow. So what I hear is it's almost like the Manhattan Project for, <laughs> for the biocircular economy. And how to really mm -hmm. change their agricultural system. Yes. Yeah. Because we need to eat. You know, if you look at the bottom of Maslow's pyramid, we need to address those things, you know, and, and food, energy, water, health. These are the grand challenges of humanity, right? The existential threats. So if we start there, you know, my, my personal, my life goal has been for the last 15 years, I want to remove hunger and malnutrition as a barrier to progress for all people everywhere. Right. And, and, you know, we see all these reports that we're going to have to make all of this more food and all of these things. God forbid we bring another billion people on eating the way the Western world does now, because, you know, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, the, the economic crush is terrible. This cheap food is tragic. Mm. So that I want to fix. Yeah, got it. And, and I really see your clear vision. It, it's almost a system that just is, is symbiotic and literally there's no waste. You know, you literally the, the more efficient feed system. Yeah, yeah, and we're, we're going to bring some, some new things into the equation too because we hear all the time, oh, we need to work together, we need teams, but we're not generally good at that, right? Canada misses so much opportunity because we can't get ourselves organized. So we're bringing in a revolutionary governance system developed by a group in Ontario called the Center for Social Innovation called the Constellation Governance Model. And it's designed for impact when you've got large groups of stakeholders working on complex challenges trying to drive impact, right? We're going to bring revolutionary transparency. We're going to publish all of our findings alongside our models and our raw data. So if anyone ever says we are wrong, they have to rise to that same level of transparency. Yeah. And, right? I, and I hear too, yeah, and I hear too, there's a, 
you're you're not keeping this for yourself. And, and inside this model, a lot of it's available. Somebody else that wants to do it. And, and I really hear you want this model to spread. You want to transform the way we do agriculture. Correct. Our, our goal is to build 100 facilities across Canada. Right? Germany has 9,000 alone. Right. There's uh-huh. room for a lot more. Right. It, but again, we're not fighting over a finite pie here. Right. These are the these are the existential threats that we have to address. The more that we can get out there, the more stakeholders we can get working on these things, the sooner we can get this ship turned. Yeah. And I and I hear for North America, this is a bit of a new way of going. But what I'm really hearing is it's it's been done elsewhere. And I hear and, and, and where, where have you been kind of getting a lot of the expertise? Yeah, so we have looked around the world for the the best work. And I said we studied Germany initially because they were the most prolific, but that was driven by a specific model that it was government decisions that was driving it, not data, not the best, most efficient ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we looked at Denmark next because they had done a much, much better job of integrated facilities. You know, Germany based it on they were feeding lots of corn to make energy. Denmark did a lot more uh, around using waste streams. And then we really focused on Sweden because Sweden has done the absolute best job of getting all the value out of everything. We took a delegation across uh, Sweden in 2013, and I was blown away. We commented to our host, Gustav Rockster, and we said, you know, everyone showed us everything they're doing, and we never signed a single NDA. And he said, yeah, we don't sue each other, right? We just talk openly. Like, what a beautiful way to be, right? Mm-hmm. We hope to bring that to Canada. Yeah. Well, that's what's really interesting you're saying, is that really what we're up to, we're going to need a whole new way of doing things. And, and I love how you're looking at everything, not just the technologies of it, but even just how, how do we manage the people and how do we actually have this work? Yeah. If, if you want 10% improvement, you can, you can work on, you can start where you are, and you just get better at it. But we don't need 10% improvement. We need 10x shifts, right? I had the opportunity to work at a place called the XPRIZE Foundation in Los Angeles as a visioneer. I was an impact designer building competitions. And, you know, spending time with the people there, it really changes how you look at things. And, and you understand that, you know, the, the challenge, Nick, is that we are living in a time of multiple exponentially accelerating technologies, right? And and we as people struggle to, mm. to handle even the implications of one or two. Yeah. But the, when there's five and ten and twenty trends that are shifting so radically, we, we can't even imagine where we're going. Yeah, it's it's amazing you say that because we've been in this this interesting conversation for a while about you know where the world needs to go and the challenges that we do it should we even do it, and it's really just happening and it's happening really fast and. And, and yeah, that's, that's why I love the, the whole concept of future-proofing, because the world is about to change dramatically, faster than anybody really sees it. And it's, um, it's interesting interviewing everybody who's got a little piece of that, and it's, uh, it's going to be revolutionary very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we need to chart a, a course to abundance. And, and that starts by not looking at things at waste, as waste, because right? there is no waste in the, in the physical world. Mm-hmm. Right, just resources being wasted and it's system solutions when when we can all take and, and uh, take from each other and turn those linear pathways into circles you know it's it's there phosphorus is, is a beautiful thing again uh, more than 80 percent of the world's exploitable phosphorus is in morocco and and many say that peak phosphorus is long behind us 
Uh-huh. Right? It's it's not changed. You can't make it. You can't destroy it. Right? It changes forms. It can be diluted, but it's still all there. Mm-hmm. Right? That is, I would say, the largest single opportunity that we have in front of us is find out ways to use that precious resource better. And and here we've got the opportunity that agriculture has a problem. Energy can pay for the technology to solve that problem, which mm. is the environment. Yeah. Then, then we win. Yeah, and, and and I hear you've got that whole recipe together in it, and you solve quite a few different problems at the same time. Yeah, we're, we're very hopeful that, that the balance of the funding will come in this year, and we can start construction. And we can move very quickly, again, because we are addressing so many threats for so many people, uh, organizations, facilities, that, that in one play – we can reduce the risk. We can really eliminate the risk because we're bringing all of this work into a fishbowl where everyone yeah. can see it. That's awesome. And now what do you see the future will be? So you've got, you've got this last bit of money. You'll, you'll build this facility and sound, and I'm really excited to hear what, like what you develop and just be able to actually showcase it to show the industry. And what do you want to see next? Yeah. So, so we're moving forward with manure management as a service. Right, and it's interesting that I've I've been attacked because people say, "Oh, you're you're uh, prolonging animal agriculture. We should just stop all of that now." Right? I've had other people, "Oh, your work is promoting continuance of of uh, burning fossil fuels well, or, or burning hydrocarbons, I should say, because ours aren't fossil; ours are biogenic." But we're not doing that. We are building the best the world knows how to do today, and we're shifting to it's called outcome driven innovation. So we establish a baseline, right? We set the targets. We want absolute resource efficiency. We want zero waste. We want zero environmental impact. We want a food abundance. We want health, right? The, the only way to get to those aspirational goals is to be methodical, be honest about where we are, and then work together around that, right? That the, the magnetic attractors, they call them in, uh, in the constellation business model. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's very, I hear very revolutionary in how that works. And I, um, especially what you're up to when you're looking to change and there's so many different actors. You got government, you got business, you got the small farms. So it's really getting them all on board to say, hey, this is a better way of doing it. And I, and I hear you're really putting something together to, to really showcase that so they can actually see it. Yeah. And, and I would say my best skills I got in kindergarten, I learned how to cut and paste. You know, there's a this brilliant book came out of a couple of fellows at uh, Deloitte called the solution revolution right that that uh, 2013 love the book right we, we use that as a great tool there's another organization headquartered in toronto called the global alliance for the future of food that's built these great tools a- around um, uh, they call it true cost accounting mm-hmm. right because that's that that again brings all of these things into context and you know that that's what we've done is that we've looked for excellence you know i i, I it, if we met on the street and just got talking, I'd tell you, for 25 years of my life, I've been hunting for brilliant people with managed egos. Because we have room for everything at the Symbiosis Center except egos and greed. Mm. Right? Yeah. That's, so, that, 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 that's the key is, is finding people that really care about solving the problem. Because, you know, if, if, if we help a billion people be better, we never have to worry about ourselves economically. Right. And, and if we don't, if we don't help a billion people live better on this earth, there won't be, a, there won't be any people left. We've got to fix these problems. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've got the key point, right? It's not an, it's not an option at this point. It's got to, it's going to move. And 
So what your work, what do you see, what would you like to see in the world of government or business that would sh shift, support this, and maybe uh, have this expand faster? What are the key things that you would like to see in the world? Yeah, just really, really more of a openness to systems, to collaboration. You know, we've seen some great work. This the, the new government, British Columbia, the the clean BC strategy. I would say is the best strategy that any province in Canada has. It's got the right framework, right? The stronger BC recovery plan has some great tools put in place, and we are pushing very hard around the now called energy mines and low carbon innovation. They have a budget to build a new innovation and clean energy center. So it's it's really our our biggest target is to get unity of stakeholders. Right. I'm, I'm excited to see your background work on hydrogen because it's such an important part. The world sees that's a key part to the road to zero and, and protecting our planet. You know, bringing that in, working in an agricultural setting where you're starting with this tremendously ne carbon negative gas. Right. That's, again, where you should start if you're seeking impact. Right. That then you need to bring those systems. And I, I think we're, we're doing well. We're having the discussions now with the right groups. There's six provincial ministries that are directly addressed. And until relatively recently, that was near impossible to get them together. Right. The, this government put together is called the Emerging Economy Task Force that brought a lot of those groups. Right. Another Vancouver based organization called the National Industrial Symbiosis Program. Uh, they got funding to do a pilot and they showed the, 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 the great impact. So all of these messages are there. And it seems like now our governments are listening, right? Ministry of Agriculture never has any money to do anything really meaningful. They're always, you know, trying to make those little incremental changes, trying to be a little better with the, with meager resources. You know, if we can drop $30 million of capital money in to an innovation center that creates seven and a half million dollars a year of recurring revenue that's decarbonizing our province right now we can really do something mm. well it's, it's really it's really interesting that's a really good point right because we don't approach agriculture that way you know we'll put that much money in transportation and you know in technology but agriculture hasn't really moved tremendously for quite some decades yeah, you know, a lot has gone on, but it's 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 been incremental. Like, you know, you'll see that we have been able to get so much more milk from individual cows than we did years ago. But we leave out the fact that 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 you know, a cow that used to give you the amount of milk for you know ten, twenty, thirty years, it's 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 got really probably a a two or three year effective life now, right? And and the the greenhouse gas emissions from that cow because of the much higher performance are higher. Right. We're, we're missing that systemic looking at things that 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 contextualizing of these things. Right. You know, and we want to make sure that we go forward that that again, we're making intelligent decisions. Right. I'm not about banning anything. I'm about educating people so we can make better decisions. Right? Yeah, certainly the future will be different. It will be. And what um, and what would you like to see people listening to this podcast take away from this podcast? Yeah, uh, boy, <laughs> support your, you know, look at your government, ask your government to, to look at system solutions. Like I said, we're, we're seeing movement there. Um, yeah, boy, think yourself more holistically, right? Look at things, right? We are, we are changing how we eat already, right? Fluid milk is changing. So many things um, are moving. 
yeah, what would an individual do? You know, like anyone that's running an organization that has a piece of this, you know, the more letters of support we can have to the government for, we have a clean BC communities fund application. So, you know, we're, we're easy to find catalystpower.org is our website. You know, um, uh, again, anyone that's got a piece of this, if you've got a technology, if you've got an idea for this, we've got room. Right. We have a we got one point six million dollars in resources in this living lab at the Eco Dairy. There's a train going down the track that we're we're now following manure as it leaves the barn to when it goes on the field. Right. And and we definitely have room for more. If you've got a sensor company, again, anything at all, if you have a need and you can show a direct impact, you know, we, we say if if you can show me a dollar of your thing gets me a dollar twenty, we'll buy it right away. Right. If it's still just an idea, we'll help you get there so we can show it can be done. Right. Again, th there's so much room because this is this is about all of us. This isn't just a small team. We have 40 members of the of the consortium now are touching this in some way, but still lots of room for more. Yeah, I love it. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a, a pretty big team and a big community to, to solve this, this problem. Yeah, it's we call it an opportunity threat. <laughs> And that's the perfect mindset because there is a lot of opportunity by, by yeah. taking this and shifting how we're doing things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and I said, Nick, you, your, your work is so important in communications because, you know, we don't know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. And as we start to get new ideas, then our, our minds can, can work these things and we can start to see again thinking in systemic ways. You know, I, I live my life, I call it my one reason rule. We should never do anything for one reason. There's a great place for everybody to start. Right. Try, try to find better ways to get more out of what you do. I love it. Well, thank you for uh, hmm. really showing what you're up to today. And I, I love your work. Well, thank you very much again. I'm, I'm, we're, we're happy to serve. This is this is important. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Happy. Thanks so much. To hear more about our podcasts, showcase events, or on the FutureProof Network, please visit us at www.futureproof-network.com.